Hey guys, this is Alvin Chong. Welcome back to Are You Okay podcast. So uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk about the respect of it all. Uh, you know, like in Malaysia's culture, we have like different races, different religion, different um, beliefs and stuff. And um, today we're going to talk about it. And I'm very happy yet very nervous to invite today's guest um, because she has done so many podcasts and uh, her podcast won an award recently. Uh, you, you guys can hear my voice is like literally shaking right now. So, uh, here you go. Welcome, Emily Anderson. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Amelia. Thank you so much for having me. I actually feel really very honored to be here right now because this is my, this is, you said I've done a lot of podcasts. I've only ever done one, my own. Yeah, your own, yeah. So this is my first podcast ever that's not Yours. my own podcast. And I'm really happy it's with you. Why? Why is it? Um, what do you mean? Like, why is this my first podcast? Why is it you feel like happy that it's me? Because like, you know, like, you know, I, I've been to Studio Simbang before. Mm-hmm. Like, she has done her homework, like, really well. Thank she's you. done all the research and she knows what she's talking and stuff like that. And for me, I'm 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 not so a by-the-book kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have a lot of, like, points and stuff, I'll usually blank out. I, I usually don't know what to talk about because I'm so afraid I'm going to miss one of the point yeah and then i don't know where else to go yeah so like uh, my team always come up with like bullet points for me to like just just for me to talk about it mm-hmm. and even when emilia said yesterday's when i sent her the the brief i'm like should i send her this <laughs> this is literally like nothing <laughs> no i think like you know different people have different methods and you have to do whatever works for you okay. as long as you're capable of like pulling it together in the end but i'm really happy to be here with you i think because um outside of like the podcast stuff that we do we're actually like we're friends i think mm-hmm. we're friends we've hung out a couple of times yep. i've known you for a really long time we play, I feel badminton, through events. Together. We play badminton together <laughs> we don't play badminton together alvin chong comes to the badminton court and ruins everyone no it's not no, a, it's no. not play makes it sound like a fun like people have chance you know like we don't have chance no one Alvin Chong's around. So um, <laughs> so I'm happy to be here with you because I feel like, um, you know, if it was someone that I didn't know as well, I maybe would not be so comfortable answering questions, especially in a podcast setting where, and your podcast specifically, which is like deeper, mm-hmm. more meaningful. Yeah. Um, not saying your podcast is not meaningful. Like it's a, it's a different level. Yeah. Different they, they're different. Completely. Different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason why I want to invite you to this episode is because um, we both are non-Malay. Mm-hmm. But we are in the Malay industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like sometimes we feel like um, it's hard to adapt. Like maybe the amount of time for me uh, that I took to adapt to the industry is different than yours. And our backgrounds are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so the very first thing I want to talk about is actually like, um, how do you feel to be different than other people? Ooh, and we're getting started. No, um, I mean, I, I can go first if you want. To. No, no, it's okay. I don't mind answering. I think like when I was younger and I um, acted, because I've been doing this my whole life, right? I was never aware of the fact that I was different in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like didn't ever, the penny just never dropped for me. Uh, but when I was an adult and I came back to it after taking some time away from acting and stuff like that, that's when I kind of felt it. But I didn't feel it so much like from a racial standpoint. It was Mm -hmm. more so from the fact that I was educated in an international school Mm -hmm. with extremely liberal ideologies and not really very much exposure to any type of, um, you know, um, I mean, I wouldn't say culture because it's not back. It's not down to like race. It's more so like the kind of mentality of thinking, which 
sometimes pushes progressive ideologies that are not really present in the shows that I yeah. take part in. Mm-hmm. So I would read some scripts and I'd be like, this is completely different from what I've learned or been exposed to as being correct. Mm-hmm. And especially in terms of like relationships and, you know, like gender roles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was very much like a shock for me because as a child, when you act, like you don't take on these types of heavy subjects in your in your acting. So as an adult, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God. And that's when I realized I was different, but it was never so much on a race perspective, it was more so just an outlook and a mentality perspective. Um, how did I feel about it? I just felt like, oh my gosh, like I wanted, I want to get back to my job and what I feel like I love the most, which is acting. So I just got to adapt and I've got to make it work for me. And I got to try to make this myself, even though sometimes I'm saying the dialogue. And firstly, I don't understand the language so well at the time. And secondly, I don't really believe in what the character is saying. <laughs> um, so, That's the shittiest part, right? Yeah, you just got to, you got to try to make it work, I okay. guess. Okay, so, so for me, um, you know the funny stories when I was a kid? Um, I, I don't speak any other languages. Mm-hmm. I don't mix with other races. Mm-hmm. Because um, from where I'm from is… Um, my parents always tell me that okay, just just mix with your own people, and then don't don't talk to other races. You might uh, say something wrong, and then they like might take it personally. Offensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, accidentally offensive. And then um, one of the story is when I was in kindergarten. I, I live in a Malay centric neighborhood, mm-hmm. so like the school bus has to like go in different neighborhoods to pick up kids mm-hmm. to go to the kindergarten. I still remember the very first day I needed to like. Um, the bus, and then when I went on the bus, it's full on Malay. I was the only Chinese kid on the bus, mm-hmm. and um, they see that I'm different, and then they can tell that I'm probably scared. Mm-hmm. Um, they start bullying me, like they they pull my bags, and then they start calling me names. And then the second and third day, and the following week, they started to throw rocks at me. Are you serious? Yeah. I cried to school every single day. Mm. And then I told my mom, I'm not taking that bus ever again. Mm -hmm. So like she found an alternative way for me to go to the kindergarten. And then that point onwards, I I told myself, Mm. I I was being racist. Like ever since I seen a non-Chinese people, I refused to look at them. I refused to talk to them. I was kind of traumatized with, with the incident. Yeah. And then even up till um, when I moved down to KL yeah. after high school, I took on a, a diploma course in in uh, college. Yeah. So when I walk into the class, you know, like I'm I'm always a lone ranger. I do everything myself. Yeah. But with graphic design, you have to team up with other people. Mm-hmm. So as usual, I wait until the very last minute to see like who else is willing to team up with me. Mm-hmm. So the rest. Uh, the remaining people that don't have a group, it's all Malay. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, I, I I just go to the group meeting just because I want to get the work done and just go home. Mm-hmm. So after a while, they start to questioning like why I don't hang out with them. And then um, at first, I, I refuse to tell them because it might be offensive and I don't like them. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, like in general, I don't like them. But after a while, they are. I, I can see that the way they treat me is different than the people that I met when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I slowly, like, you know, have lunch with them, have dinner with them. And then at one point, they asked, like, why did you take so long to open up 
So I told them the story. And then they started to say like, okay, we all have done the similar things before. Like, you know, like when we see a kid that's different than us, you know, so sorry that like our people do that to you, but you know, not, not everyone is like that. Mm-hmm. Then I started to like, okay, my, my perspective towards like different races, it changes. Mm-hmm. So like, what, what do you feel about it? Like, do you feel like, have you been receiving comments about people talking about you, about your aura and oh, all about the time. like stuff like that? Um, my mom has four dogs mm-hmm. and four cats. Yeah. And for me, when it comes to things like that, like, yeah, I go over to my mom's house all the time. The dogs are constantly sitting on my head and scratching me and wanting to play fetch and all that stuff. Do I take videos? Yeah, because I think my dogs are really cute. I mean, they're not mine. They're my mom's. I bought them for my mom for her birthday four years in a row. And then I moved out because I was like, there's too many animals in this house. It's kind of my fault. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't post about it. Um, I post it on close friends, which mm-hmm. you've probably seen my dogs. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, the, the, the general audience does not get access to me or my life in that way. I think like for me, um, I agree with what you're saying. I think for your positioning, you are allowed to drink. You are allowed to have dogs. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do, Alvin. Mm-hmm. And if you want to post about it, do it. Yeah. I think for me, um, it's the same principle. Like if I want to post about it, I will. I just don't feel like I do because I feel like I've been doing this for so long, ever since I was a child. And as a child, the amount of like disrespect, I think that was, mm, that I experienced um, from like older fans who like completely disrespected the boundary of how you should speak to a child or how you should, like, I understand you see me on TV and you think that's cool and I appreciate it. And this is not every single person who has ever considered themselves a fan, but there's always one or two. And us as people, even as entertainers, um, you know, like it's always the, the one or two bad comments that stick out the most. Whether you want to, you know, like you want to pretend about it or not. Like for me, at least as, as strong as I want to be, mm-hmm. like I will still read the bad comments and feel something even if there's a million and one good ones. Um, but I think in terms of like respecting other people's boundaries and stuff like that, I think… Um, there's multiple things at play. Like you brought up a lot of a lot of points, right? Like firstly, I think Malaysia is a diverse country. Mm-hmm. We're multicultural, we're multi-ethnic, we're even like multiple religions mm-hmm. practicing at the same time. Unfortunately, I think outside of maybe Kuala Lumpur and like the very small Bangsa bubble, mm-hmm. um, exposure is very limited for people within like subcategories of race or even religion. Um, I have a super controversial opinion that I'm, currently debating about whether I should share or not. Um, Let me give you some educational background. So I went to a private school and Mm. I grew up in school with people of every single race. Mm -hmm. Um, So people would go to Agama class and then we would go to moral class. And this was just the norm. And I grew up with so many different races that I did not have um, any um, part of my life where it was like, and also maybe because I'm mixed as well. Like I could never be like, I am this. And everybody else is something else. I can't because like even within myself, I'm not one thing, you know? So like I was born in an environment where it was already diverse. Like in the house, you've got like, you've got some really white like Matsales from like Matsale land and then my dad. (laughs) And then you've got like, you know, my mom and her family. And like my mom is educated in the UK, but my grandpa is, if you want to talk about Indian men, that's that's a Sri Lankan man for you. And yeah, you've got all colors of like the human complex in my house. So Mm. I never had the opportunity. And also I come from Klang. I've got Chinese family. I've got Malay relatives. Like, 
uh, very diverse. Yeah, like not being exposed to this was not an option for me. However, I think like within my experience of like life and talking to people, I realized that like some people don't have the same exposure, you know, like some people come from communities that are entirely their like own race. Yeah, yeah, maybe even like yours. My brother went to Chinese school. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the only non-Chinese person there. <laughs> yeah, but they loved him. <laughs> he loved them. <laughs> like, but that's that's some people's lives are growing up like that. So my controversial controversial opinion, even though like one day if I ever have kids, I want to send them to Chinese school. Mm-hmm. I'm not Chinese, but you better go and learn Mandarin. Yes. Like you must. It is important. And the discipline that you learn there is it, it, like you can't find it anywhere else. Yeah, yeah so different. I'm super supportive of it. But at the same time, the older I get, and I had this conversation with a friend a while ago about whether or not we should abolish like vernacular education. Super controversial. Let's get political <laughs> with it. Um, at first I was like, no, you know, I'm a minority and I think minorities should have the right to educate ourselves in a way that's true to our culture. But at the same time, the opposite side of the coin, which as I age, I'm thinking about it more and more, mm-hmm. is that for the v- development of this country, this country that we all love, mm-hmm. we're all Malaysians, regardless of whatever our race is, is that beneficial? Because schools and like the education system that I grew up in, where I was exposed to all the different races and had this type of experience of learning to be tolerant of other people, for them learning to be tolerant about my family and my dogs because they grew up with me too. Like this is not something that really, increasingly it exists less and less. Mm -hmm. And obviously the majority of people, regardless of what your racial background is, like grow up in an education where you're in an you're in an SJK or you're in SK, right? Mm. And then you learn different things. And when you're not exposed to other people, that's where you have all of this kind of like friction and differences. conflict differences because you just don't understand and you're not exposed to it. And so like for you maybe in your situation, you made that conscious effort of of putting yourself out there, of traveling by yourself, about learning of other people, but not everybody does that, mm-hmm. wants to do that has that opportunity to do that. So sometimes I feel like this is, this is, I'm, I'm maybe I'm just not politically educated enough to mm. be able to say what's definitively the best for this country and how we're going to like become more tolerant of each other. But I would say that definitely children need to be educated in a space that they are exposed to this from the youngest possible age. So that hopefully we see a landscape one day where if you have fans that are, you know, religious and don't feel like they want to touch a dog, they will see you touching your dog and still be like, that's really cute. Yeah. Like, I understand that that's not something that I'm wanting to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want to jeopardize my religious beliefs like that. Mm -hmm. But I still support you with it. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully one day, this this day will come. Mm -hmm. And and also speaking of, um, you know, Malaysian cultures, because we are so diversified, right? Uh, Because a lot of people ask me like, why do I travel so much? especially just by myself. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I think Malaysia it has the, Malaysian especially has the strongest uh, capability to adapt because we've seen so many different things. Mm-hmm. So for me to blend in to a different culture, especially uh, not in Southeast Asia, especially, yeah. um, it's very easy for me mm-hmm. because I'm willing to try, I'm willing to open up and I'm willing to adapt. So that's, that's all because of my will that I'm willing to open up. Yeah. I think that's very important for, for any of us. If, if you want to learn about one's culture, we should respect, but at the same time, we should also like hear and see and learn what they do. And then um, mm-hmm. to see whether we can adapt and 
Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's a bit more nuanced, right? Like I used to feel really upset every time someone would tell me about like my Aurat being open. It's not that I was upset that my Aurat is open. I'm like, yeah, I made the choice to wear that. Like, why are you telling me that you can see my shoulders if I'm shocked that I wore this outfit that you can see my shoulder? You know, like I'm not shocked. Um, but it was more so the thing that I was upset is like they're telling me that I'm going to go to hell, telling me that my family is going to go to hell. Like that's… That's a line you don't cross, baby. Oh, that, that's one line I, I saw Oof. back then. Cafe. Mm. Yeah, cafe. Like all of it. It's fine. Um, having said that though, like when I try to understand it, I, I think like obviously some people come from a place of like deep-rooted hate. And that's really, that's a you problem, right? Mm. But there's some messages that I read that tell me about how like, you know, like their heart's breaking because they love me so much and they want to see me go to heaven. And this is what they believe is like the the, the blueprint to get there, mm-hmm. right? And um, I can't say I'm any type of religious expert. But what I would say is that like sometimes when the, the niyat is good, mm. actually it's because that, you know, like that's the belief. Mm-hmm. When they tell you these things, it's not to hurt your feelings. It's because they're doing it from a place of like, be open-minded about the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. A place of love. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. They for want sure. to see you for sure. according to their idea of what is right. right? It's, it's actually the way of approaching. Like I appreciate when people tell me that they want to see me in heaven. They yeah. want to share the good stuff yeah. with me and stuff yeah. like that. But when you show me how good you are, maybe one day I'll open up myself. But when the way of you ex- expressing your thoughts and beliefs towards me, mm-hmm. it's like very aggressive. Yeah. And very like unethical. And you know, like it hurts my feeling when you share And crosses the boundaries. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. really disrespectful to your ideas so and your beliefs. It makes me feel like, okay, so this is the image of the beliefs that you think is the right way to live. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, so. I understand what you're trying to say. At the same time though, I think like the point that I'm trying to make is that like, and this is something I'm trying to practice as well because I feel like I'm a very fixed person. Like, you know, like you came on my podcast, like the whole thing is, everything is planned. My whole day is planned. I wake up at 7 a.m. every day, clockwork. Like, you know, but um, in that, I try to think that like when we care about other people, even if their belief, like sometimes when I look look at scripts and I'm like, ah, no, right? Like sometimes even in that kind of situation, I try to remind myself that I need to be treating other people, even if their beliefs to me are super jarring, in the same way that I would expect them to treat me. Even though my beliefs to them are probably super jarring. Like, girl, what you doing? Put some clothes on. You know, like <laughs> Maybe that's what they're thinking. But I feel the same way passionately about like a complete polar opposite idea. So I think like part of like diversity and part of learning to be okay with each other is learning to be okay with the fact that other people are okay with their different idea. Yep. And sometimes like you can't say people, you just accept it and let it go. So I think that maybe like for the fans out there and stuff like that, like the next time, if they ever feel something towards you or your dogs or something like that, that's the thing that we expect, right? It's mm. just that understand that these are Alvin's dogs. <laughs> let him have his dogs. Yeah, You don't have to touch them. So now especially, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I first started uh, in the Malay industry, um, I like the attention. Mm-hmm. So I post a lot on stories on social media about my daily life. But nowadays, especially these last two years, right after COVID, I tend to post less. Um, one thing is because I really want to enjoy the moment, mm-hmm. especially when I'm traveling or when I'm spending time with my friends mm-hmm. or when I'm, when I'm at an event, I like to talk to people. So you don't see me holding my phone most of the time. 
uh, I don't even like take selfies anymore. Uh, very hardly. And, um, and the other reason is because I don't want the audience to know too details about my life, especially who I hang out with. Mm-hmm. Because it might cause like unnecessary gossips or like problems or mm-hmm. like things that you don't feel like answering. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is why I don't do that uh, very often now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I still want people to know the, the real me. Mm-hmm. So hence this podcast exists. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk to, talk to you about is um, how how do you blend into the industry? Like you know, like you know, like we we look different mm-hmm. and we don't really speak the accent, uh, the language, uh, right mm-hmm. when we first started, especially mm-hmm. um, because for me it's I hang out a lot with a lot of the crew members. Mm-hmm. I literally tell them like you guys can mock me, can laugh at me, but at least please correct me mm-hmm. so that I know how to improve myself. Mm-hmm. So which is why nowadays like people say like oh you speak Malay really well like yeah. you know you don't sound like a Chinese guy blah blah blah. It took me years mm-hmm. to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely get it. And um, so and yeah, I, I just want to know like how you improve your Malay. How I improve my Malay language. Um, I practice lah. Like, <laughs> I I don't speak Malay at home at all. Actually, um, I speak English at home. Well, I mean, I now I don't. I I live alone, so I just don't really speak much at home. I normally let like you know I put on I put on Elvin Chong's podcast, <laughs> and then I sit there and I let him do the speaking. You know, um, but when I was living with my family, we speak English at home exclusively. Like there was no bahasa in the house. I mean, or very 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 minimal. Um, so I learned Bahasa on set. And yeah, I had the same pelat problem that you did. I heard pelat about like 500 times a day and I got so sick of it. And I got so angry and I got so irritated and I felt so upset because I was like, there's literally nothing that I can do. I can't like take a pill and magically wake up with the most flawless Bahasa Melayu. I wish I could, but mm. I can't. Mm. Um, so I just made sure that, you know, I was gonna fix it. Because I was like, I don't like it when people say I can't do something. It feels like a personal... Um, Challenge. You it feel feels like challenge <laughs> and you want to just know I it. can't do something. <laughs> Excuse <watch>. me. <laughs> so now I've become like Basim Malaysia expert lah. Like I'm like my whole family. They're like Amelia. How do you say this? And my mom will send me chunks of like paragraphs or something. Uh-huh. Um, it should be like translate for me. And I'm like I feel super accomplished. But also when I think about it, I think like um, it was it was a different thing that was instilled like maybe in my family environment growing up. My mom always told me from the youngest possible age, you must speak Basim Malaysia well. Mm. Mm. You know, like it doesn't matter if you have the accent down. It doesn't matter if you um, are like the most diverse grammar on the planet. Like you don't have to be a professor, mm-hmm. but you must speak it well. You must be able to communicate Converse, with people yeah. in Bahasa Malaysia. So even when I came back into the industry, even though like things like the accent were not there, mm. maybe grammatically like slang, mm-hmm. I could not do slang. Like I couldn't speak conversational Bahasa. Mm. I could speak Bahasa as in like whatever that's like straight from the textbook. It was like saya. Mm-hmm. You know, very baku. Yeah, yeah, very baku because I learned Bahasa that way. Mm-hmm. But I could speak it. You would understand it. You'd probably make fun of me for it. But I mean, I was trying my best because that was something that like was instilled into me. Now I feel like I've come a real long way with Bahasa. And the more I know about it, the better I get at speaking this language, the more I enjoy using it. And speaking of that, right, you know, like how how when Matsali, like the real Matsale from other countries, mm-hmm. when they speak our language, we'll be like, even with the strongest accent, mm-hmm. we'll be like, wow, that's impressive and stuff like that. But when our own people are trying to speak 
our own language, even with because we are, we are from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. and our mother tongue is entirely different language. Yeah. But why do we like do do you ever does it ever cross your mind why we like to mock our own people? Like like okay, for instance, for example, right? If a Malay person speak Mandarin, we would be like, wow, impressive. Mm-hmm. But when a Chinese guy speak Malay mm-hmm. in our accent, most of the time we get mocked. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just feel like it's funny. Yeah. It is, it's very funny. I mean, there's two things happening here. <laughs> Firstly, mm, <laughs> if we look at the history of Malaysia, right? Um, we used to obviously be uh, colonized mm-hmm. by uh, the United Kingdom and some sort of that mentality still kind of exists within our culture. It's even like when you look at, um, you know, local people speaking English, mm-hmm. if they don't speak English flawlessly, we make fun of each other for not speaking English. Well, you see his accent. Yeah, which is like, come on. Like we didn't choose to have to speak this language. They mm-hmm. came here. Yeah. So now the fact that we've reclaimed English, we're using it for ourselves. And this is rich coming from someone who's half white, I know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think like when it comes to speaking English, just as a first part, speak it however you want to speak it with whatever accent that you want. This is a language that was forced onto us. Mm-hmm. So now we have the right to speak it however we want to with whatever accent we want to. Manglish is a real language. Thank you. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like other ethnicities within Malaysia, speaking Bahasa Malaysia and I guess getting some sort of like flag for it or getting made fun of, I think that's basically because I would, this is my understanding of it. Obviously, I'm not saying I participate in this idea, but I do think that, you know, what for whatever it's worth, this is our country and the national language is Bahasa Malaysia. So I guess the reason you see people make fun of each other is because there is an expectation that we're all supposed to be taking our national language seriously. However, mm. I think there's like there's so much history tied into this specific subject matter and there's so much like politics tied into it. Like if you look at Indonesia, for example, another diverse country, why does everybody there only speak Bahasa Indonesia? If you look at the history, it's actually not so pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at Malaysian history... Like we went a different route from Indonesia in terms of how we try to diversify the country and accept every um, race that's still here, um, which is, you know, vernacular education and allowing people to retain their culture and stuff like that. But at the same time, this is the opportunity cost of it. Mm. So these are decisions that right now as a society we're dealing with that were made before our generation, dude. Like yeah. why, why are things the way that they are? I don't know. But what I would say is that like as a, member of the younger generation that wasn't around during these fundamental decision-making times within mm-hmm. the, the the independence of Malaysia and stuff like that, what I would say is that I think that, you know, I believe everyone in Malaysia should be able to speak Bahasa Malaysia. Yes. Whether right. you speak it with an accent or not is so irrelevant. Yes, because, very irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, super irrelevant because languages are about communication. And to be honest, if I speak whatever language with the worst accent, you're still understanding it, then I am successfully communicating to you. But I do agree with you, like every single Malaysian should learn to speak 100%. Bahasa Malaysia, especially. Yeah. And like like you said, it doesn't matter if you speak it badly, as long as you can communicate, converse. Yes. That's good enough. Yes. You know, like some of my some of my friends actually try to speak Malay um, to to different people. Mm-hmm. But then they they stop because they couldn't stand being made fun of. Being made fun of. You know, let me tell you some stories. When I was on set, I used to get called like Matsali all the time. There was one time like a DOP, he just didn't want to learn my name because I wasn't famous or important enough. So he kept saying like, hey, Matsali, move. Then that was my name on set for the entire like three months that I was shooting on set. That's so And rude. I was like, bloody hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. And and so like, if, 
similarly to you, I've been reduced to like my ethnic background so many times or like the way that I look so many times. And it's really annoying. It feels hyper disrespectful. And it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're going to let one disrespectful person to affect you. Affect you. Because ultimately, right? Like the way that your friend should look at it, mm-hmm. when they learn Bahasa Malaysia and they can use it really well, that actually is a skill for them. You know? To survive. It's it's a skill. It's it's a skill for them. Like if I'm trying to learn Mandarin at the moment, okay? okay. I'm not trying to learn Mandarin to impress any of my friends that can speak Mandarin. Although I'm sure it'll be very impressive when I learn Mandarin. <laughs> I'm not trying to learn Mandarin for any other reason but to make myself better and uh-huh. to facilitate my life. So I'm going to learn yeah. it. If you want to make fun of me in the meantime, for example, like it could be Mandarin, it could be Tamil, it could be whatever, it could whatever. But this is a skill that's going to help me. I'm not going to stop helping myself just because you're making fun of me. No, this is something I'm doing for me. It's got nothing to do with you and your stupid shitty opinion. That makes you not a, not a nice person that I want to be around anyways. Yeah. So I think we should stop focusing on what other people think about our personal journeys and start thinking about whether I want to learn Bahasa for what? For me? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to do this for me and none of y'all should have anything to say about it. Oh, I have something to share as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started to enter the Malay industry, because I started like way before, like only in the Chinese market. Mm-hmm. When I wanted to try on the Malay market, um, most of my Chinese friends, especially the ones in the industry, mm-hmm. say like, you know what? They'll never accept you. Just just stop doing it. Stop wasting your time. You're going you're gonna to throw away throw away all the efforts you have, you have made yeah. like, throughout the years and stuff yeah. like that. And then the funny story is like, after I made it, sort of, um, their reaction changes. Yeah. They started to ask me like, how did you do it? Like, you yeah. know, like trying yeah. to like ask me for my advice and stuff like that. Yeah. And I I feel proud of myself. Like I feel like I've achieved something that, you know, like people looked on, on me before. Yeah. And, but if I'm persistent enough, um, when I succeed, then things will turn completely 360 around. Yeah. And the same thing goes with um, English. You know, like, I only started to speak English. Like, I know how to read English. Like, yeah. the basic one. Dude, your English is so good. What are you talking about? No, no, it was really bad back then. Like, yeah, but please, uh, you ask me to speak Mandarin right now, I will fail. So, like, <laughs> how can people expect you to have some sort of standard of being trilingual? Are they trilingual? No. So, shut up and stop talking about your English or your Bahasa. Yeah. It's better than their Mandarin will ever be. I guarantee <laughs> it for you. Yeah, probably. But but then that didn't stop me because I love traveling. Yeah. So, I think this is one of the main reasons why I learn English. And I try to adapt and I try to fix my accent, even yeah. though like it's okay for me to speak in my own accent. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to blend in so bad. I yeah. don't know why I crave for that. Mm. Because I don't want people to look at me differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just my, I think just my personal desire mm-hmm. that I want to be accepted mm-hmm. um, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I try so hard. You know, you know how I learn English? I watch like... Uh, and TV7 yeah. the English channel yeah. the English shows and then yeah. you know they have like <laughs> Bahasa subtitle yeah. I would write it down all the words I don't so understand so you spoke Bahasa before you spoke English? <sighs> or like kind of at, at the, the same, same time, time at okay. the same time I learned it at the same yeah. time uh, but the, the funny story is I don't get to practice my English that often yeah. because after I started to act in Malay shows most of my friends are Malay mm-hmm. and um, I don't hang out with the Chinese friends as much as I bef- uh, as much as before. Yeah. Because most of the time I'll be on set. Yeah. And um, the la- the only language I spoke is Bahasa. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's hard for me to learn English except for when I travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm actually quite 
proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Looking back uh, throughout the years, from the very first time I, tr- I, I went to Australia, mm-hmm. I couldn't even order a McDonald's. Like I stunned and my whole body just couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And when the, uh, the person at the counter asked me, like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. You know like how Australia has a really strong accent. Super strong accent. Super strong. And then I got stunned because never in my life, I've speak with a white person <laughs> before. So I thought I, I, I would be able to like, you know, communicate mm-hmm. in English mm-hmm. or Manglish, yeah. so-called. And then I couldn't. And then my friend had to came and rescue me, yeah. rescued me and help me order and stuff. Yeah. I was so humiliated and embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, and that was in 2010. So ever since then, I told myself, I need to speak to strangers more. Mm. I need to like embrace this and just nail it. Mm. Yeah, so that's... I'm the- proud of you for that though. You know, I think like um, when it comes to like anxiety, feeling nervous, stressed about things, intimidated, all of these things. Normally what happens is when we feel these as human beings, what our brain is trying to tell us is we don't like it, don't do it again. Mm. And so a lot of human beings, when put in a situation where you're like, oh my God, I'm so heavily intimidated. I'm embarrassed. I feel like this is a horrible experience for me and I want to disappear into a hole in the ground. They will never put themselves in that position ever again. Mm. But the real way to overcome it is by continuously putting yourself in that position over and over and over again until you force yourself to learn how to deal with it. And that's what you did. Mm -hmm. And that's very impressive. Not many people can do that. Yeah. And also like one one thing, um, you know, especially when I do live, live Mm -hmm. stream on TikTok or Instagram, because like my my followers are very diversified, like very diverse. Like mm. I've Chinese so how do you do it? Do you followers. put like three different types of subtitles <laughs> on your TikTok videos? No, like, how so do you do nowadays it? I just do it in English. Okay. So when I first started, I was trying to blend into the Malay culture. So most of my captions are in Malay, and then the the Chinese audience feels like they are being neglected, sidelined. Yeah. You know, I try to talk to them like you know we are Malaysian. We should try to like you know how to like if it's like Chinese related mm-hmm. work stuff, mm-hmm. I'll do it in Mandarin, but then. Ever since I, I've done so many like Malay postings before, like the, my postings are in Malay. And then if I ever did one in Mandarin, mm. and then the Malay audience would be like, why is it in Mandarin? Mm-hmm. So back then there's no translation mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't translate the whole thing. And then I felt so helpless. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what to do with mm-hmm. this audience. I don't know how to like do things to cater for everybody. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, I decided I'm just going to post everything in English. Mm-hmm. And then they start like to, 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 to say things about like, we don't really like, um, we can't really relate to whatever you're writing. Mm-hmm. Can you just, especially when I do live stream nowadays, there will still be comments about like, mm-hmm. they're trying to control like how you should be mm-hmm. or how I should be. So, but then again, I'm just like, if you don't understand English, just, you know. Just don't watch the live. Just right don't here. watch the live. Don't or like, to- you know, like Google Translate is really magic now. Like you can take the Google Translate, you on the, you press the button. I sound like auntie, right? Press the button in the middle. No. And then you put it next to the phone and it will start translating for you. Like from audio bytes. You can do that now, right? I think that it's, there's an app. Mm-hmm. So like go and look into it. Yeah. Dude, I get this all the time. And I used to feel really pissed off about it because… I speak English with a generally neutral accent mm-hmm. um, because I grew up in an English-speaking household. Mm. I've said this so many so many times. People still don't get it. Um, but um, when I speak Bahasa, they would say that the pelat is there. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes 
Like when I speak English, they they will say the same thing to me. Like speak bahasa, speak bahasa. Sometimes when I speak bahasa in my lives, I'm reading the comment. It's like sumpah, aku tak faham dia cakap apa. Boleh tak cakap bahasa Melayu? I'm like, ouch. That's so disrespectful. No, it's I'm I'm speaking in Malay right now. <laughs> like what do you want? So the thing is, right? Like you will never ever 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 make everybody happy. It's yeah. never gonna happen, and we should just quit this attempt. Because it is so tiring, tiring, exhausting, exhausting draining, and it's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So just do whatever you want. Like if on that day you want to speak Mandarin, you speak lah. On that day you want to speak Mbasa, you speak whatever you want. Even even you know the fact that I love traveling so much, mm. it it gets me into trouble. Not not trouble. Like it's funny to hear people talk about like, why are you traveling so much? Like yeah. don't you have to work and stuff like that? But for me, it's because I feel like I needed to rest. To be honest, most of my trip. Doesn't cost much money mm-hmm. compared to the friends trip that I have. That you know, all my friends are having like year end holiday back in December yeah. and stuff like that. I'm really spending like really minimal money because even when I was in Bali, mm-hmm. one of the days or two or three days, I would just like like get a day bed by the beach, sleep that whole day, just mm-hmm. watch people surfing, you know, mm-hmm. like um, paddle, uh, you know, like. Swimming in the water and stuff like that because it felt it feels so calming for me. Oh my god, it sounds like my idea of hell to be honest, bro. But like, good for you. Really, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like not calm at all. I refuse to be calm. I reject it with my entire being. <laughs> because like in, in our line of work, I feel like I need to interact with a lot of people, I get you. and it's I get so you. tiring. So yeah. sometimes I just want to detach myself, go to a place where I know people know me. I can be half naked, and I'm not yeah. being criticized. Yeah. And I can just like you know yeah. go into the water whenever I want to, yeah. get back up, and then just lay there, get my tan. I love getting tan. If you want to be tan, Alvin, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like you want to go sit on the sun. Like make sure you wear SPF because you don't want to get yeah. like any type of like proper skin. That's the only concern as your friend that I would say that you should be thinking oh, about. Oh, I have a sunscreen carrying with me all the time. Like the one hundred and fifty SPF. Every the one hour, that like everybody, reapplying. every Malaysian uses this. All of the kanchong spiders Red color. buy this every and yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, good, good. I want to mention the brand. But never mind. Um, so all of the kanchong spiders need to have this at least like three of the spray. Okay. Mm. Um, but worry about that and don't worry about what people say about the color of your of. Of, of, of your tan because mm. it's like super not their business um, but this is true about like trying to make other people happy or trying to not make other people happy or the, the, the extent to which people can even comment on you I understand they're your stylist and, and, and sometimes it just comes from a place of like you know they, they feel like they're so involved in you and your aesthetic this is what people need to understand about the entertainment industry in any business and the entertainment industry is a business there is a product when the product is not a human being with feelings and emotions and, you know, wants and desires, it's super okay for us to comment on anything about the product. Hey, the product design is really ugly. Don't use a yellow unicaten. Use a pink one, for example. This is not going to hurt anybody's feelings except for maybe the original designer of the unicaten. But it's part of their job. However, in the entertainment industry, we are the product. Mm. And this is where, like, a lot of the conflict lies. Because as products, we are also people... And in order to make a rational decision for business development about any product, it has to be rational. But people are not rational. We are all emotional. We got feelings about our, our tens, mm-hmm. about our bodies, the way we look, what we want to eat, what we want to do, whether Where? we feel like we want to smile and be happy. And this is why the entertainment industry is continuously like regarded to be like, this is why all our parents were like, you sure you want to do that? I can't survive. This is why it's so hard to survive. Because you are the product, dude. Mm. There's so much pressure. There's an unbelievable amount of like control and detachment that you have to have as a person in order to step back and make a rational decision. But back to what you were saying about your tan. Do you know how many sets I have been on? And I can say this here because I feel safe in this podcast. Where people have commented about my body in a completely inappropriate way trying to suggest that it should be some other way than it is. 
especially about, can I say this? I know you're a guy. Is this too much information? Can I go here? Yeah. You know how many freaking times a stylist has told me that my boobs are too small? Do you know how many goddamn times? And you know how angry it makes me? It makes me so freaking furious, Alvin. And I know you're my friend and you're a guy. Uh-huh. But like, what? Th- on every single goddamn set I have ever been on, at least once, somebody has commented about why I should not be stuffing my bra because it looks so flat and unattractive. I don't take it in a bad way because I understand they're coming from a good place with it. <laughs> but are you fucking kidding, kidding me? <laughs> I will say it for you. Fucking Dude, kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's like… Like telling a guy like your your penis looks small. Yeah, or pan, or is like this no pants. dude? It's the same. It's giving the same energy as like, bro. Like, why did you go and get so tan? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, like mind your own business. Yeah, mind your own business. So this is the thing, right, about the entertainment industry that also like causes a lot of pressure for me is that in our or has caused a lot of pressure for me in the past is we are entertainers. Our job is to entertain. Yeah. But at the same time, we also have a responsibility to ourselves to learn exactly where the boundary of that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it is for you, man. But for me, it's like when it comes to posting on social media, anything that we spoke about today, like I know where my boundary is because I spent so many years trying to develop this for myself. Mm-hmm. So I know that if it's my mom's dogs and I don't want to post them about Instagram, you don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. It's not because I'm terrified that you're going to hate me because I like touched my mom's dog. No. You don't deserve to know that about me in my life. And I don't want to take on any of the energy attached to it. It's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to like how I look, what I eat, if I go on holiday and it's an expensive holiday or a not expensive, like you have no right to know actually. So when it comes to your holidays and stuff like that, Alvin, even if your your holiday is the most expensive from all of your friends, who has the right to tell you what you can and cannot be doing on your holiday and how much money you can spend? Nobody. Because did they earn it for you? No, you did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're right. So, you're right. The who only, gives a shit? The only good thing that I, I started to, to um, correct myself is I stopped looking into my DM boxes. Mm. Like I don't read my comments anymore. So yeah. hence like sometimes I don't reply to my friends' comments. I yeah. feel so bad. So uh-huh. there, there are times when I'm, I'm too free, like yeah. too bored. I'll just like… Yeah. Look at it and say, shit, yeah. I didn't re- reply to this one. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. But I think it's a way for me to really detach from the uh, the toxic uh, segment from social media. Yeah. Toxic side of social media. And I feel better now, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I feel more light. Yeah. And um, I have more time to do my own thing because I get easily distracted and affected by the bad things that people say about yeah. me online. Yeah. Used to. Mm-hmm. But now, not so much anymore because I don't even look at them anymore. Yeah. Um, but which is a good thing. Yeah, it is. I think I have a very simple litmus test as to how I decide whether I'm going to post something about it or not. So I think like for… I'm an incredibly private person. And I think I've finally at my ripe old age of 21. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was going to roll with it. I realized so far-fetched. Um, whatever age I am now, which is 21. Um, I've decided that this is the test. This is how I know whether I'm comfortable sharing something with somebody Mm. or in public or not. Um, I will come back and I would have taken like a bunch of pictures during the day. If I'm hanging out with my friends, I don't take pictures. Like when we went to badminton, I don't think we took a single picture. Yeah, because for me, that's my personal time, Mm. right? If I'm feeling something about it, if I'm happy to be here, Mm -hmm. 
I'm not going to take any pictures because I want to feel that emotion. When I'm at work, it's not that I'm not happy. I'm super happy. But I also know that part of my job is taking pictures. Yeah. So when I come back at the end of the day and I look at all the pictures throughout my day, maybe I saw my friend for lunch and then I had some work and then I went and did this and then I spent time with my mom. I'll be looking at them and like, do these photos, were they taken at a time that I was like feeling something mm-hmm. or was I working? If I was working, I'll post them. At lunch, was I feeling something? Yeah, I was super happy to be seeing my friend. These are mine. They are not for anybody else's consumption. And that's how like I like kind of like go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what people see. So I think like, even though I have a podcast now, like as a host and stuff like that, I don't feel like I'm putting myself out there that much. So I still feel like, I lead an incredibly public-facing life. But at this stage of my life, I feel like nobody actually knows that much about me. (laughs) And I'm really proud. It's because I've curated it in a way that protects myself from like giving away too much energy. But in a way that still gives away just enough. So anyways, as I was saying, so when you're a singer, um, because people actually get to know you through your art and Mm -hmm. through your craft, Mm -hmm. they love you. So when they follow you on social media and stuff like that, they are engaged with you. They care about you. They will buy your merchandise. For me as an actor, business-wise, the struggle that I face and the reason I started my own podcast is because I wanted people to get to know me because I realized their expectation of who I am as a person is dictated by the roles that I take, which, by the way, are so different from who I am as a person. I... I loved my characters and I've hated my characters and I've disagreed completely with the characters that I love and I've agreed with some of the characters that I hated on so many different things, but none of them are an actual representation of who I am as a person. Yeah. And so therefore, like for me, when I try to sell merchandise, I realize that it's not as successful because you're not engaged with me. Yes. You don't know what the hell I like. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about me. Oh my God. And so then I started Studio Sembang and I realized the best merchandise or the best business is- initiative for somebody like me who has continuously like had a public profile that has hidden behind so many characters and then people are so disappointed. Mm-hmm. They're so shocked when my character is like, okay. And then Amelia Henderson says something super controversial. And then they're like, oh my God, how could she? I thought she was meant to be exactly like X, Y, Z. And I'm like… Sweet, kind. Yeah, so Studio Sembang has been the best investment of my time, energy, effort, um, money, all of it so far. Because Mm. for the first time, I feel like I'm myself. This is the same thing I want to start a podcast too. Like Mm. I want to let people know this is how I usually speak. Yeah. Because like in general, people always assume that I'm always happy and cheerful. And like, you know… Yeah. Uh, even the the agency who who came and approached me, be like, "Oh, can you do this like super happy expression yeah. and stuff like that?" Yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. Keep, <gasps> I keep telling my manager, like, "Can I not do this?" Yeah. Like, you know, like it's so tiring for me yeah. to like act as a different person. Like, you know, acting is very tiring for me already because like some of the roles, um, I have to be like really aggressive, yeah. which is not me. But I understand that it's a role, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah. But when it comes to like you know like influencing, I want to influence people with. The real me, mm-hmm. not with any roles, any mm-hmm. other roles. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure after this podcast uh, published, people would say shit about me as well. Like, oh, Alvin is so different in this podcast, and and you know, mm-hmm. like real life, blah blah. But this is it is what it is, and then hopefully I will either gain a new yes. audience, or I would change like some of the existing audience mindset towards mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you will, for sure. I had the same concern when I was doing Studio Sembang, dude. I was like, oh my god, I'm going to post this podcast. It's going to be so different from what people expect from me. Like, because I feel like they might expect the same thing. Um, like something like super exuberant and cheerful. And I am like that. But then also the 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 
the the roles that I take is just like me crying all the time. But usually the girls' role are always crying. Always crying. And but but like I love it. You love it? I love crying? it because like, okay, so I've been acting my whole life. And when it comes to like all of the different things that I do, the thing that I'm the best at, I think is hosting. The thing that I love the most is acting. So they're both important to me in different ways. I think like, I'm not saying I'm a bad actress, but I love acting. I love mm-hmm. it so much. I'm definitely better at hosting. But um, when it comes to acting, uh, the reason I love it is because that is the time that I feel like the most like, um, this is going to sound so like sociopathic, but <laughs> powerful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I think that when you're like a creative and you're creating something and when you're painting or whatever, the the, the feeling of like, not power, but like um, the feeling of like, oh my God, like I am an artist is when people look at your painting and they feel something, right? For me, that feeling for me comes not just from the crying scenes, but like from whatever scenes, right? Like they have to be like incredibly emotional scenes. When I feel like I can do that, and then I watch it on TV and I feel like, oh my God. Like impressed I you. feel, not impressed. I don't feel ab- impressed. Like, you know, when you see somebody cry and you're like, oh my God, I feel so, I feel Touch. so sad for yeah. them. Like when I watch my own acting, I've managed to do this sometimes with some crying scenes that I've done where I watch it back and I'm like, damn, I look sad. Like, <laughs> poor me, you know? Then I feel like that's the most in tune that I am with myself as an actor because I've managed to really like sell that emotion. And mm. then I feel like, Wow. For for me, it's like I I feel so um, embarrassed to watch myself on TV. Oh, me too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, this but is then, like a once in a year. But then, <laughs> like sometimes when 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 like like what you said, like when on set, when your co actors or your other um, colleagues are giving, yeah, on the scene, yeah. You feel like hey, th- we are all in characters. Yeah. And that's so fun to do it. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. But it sounds like super like hippie when we try to explain it to people. How do you explain uh, like the energy, right? Like when the you're doing a scene and you can same, feel yeah. the like you feel it's like a it's like you feel the intensity. So like go and argue with somebody. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. when you're fighting with them and you feel like that energy, when you're acting, the job is you need to cre- recreate that. But it's like fake. Like it's not you, it's not your life, like it's not your friend or your mom or whoever you're acting with but when you get that in a scene you feel like wow wow it's satisfying it's very satisfying <laughs> it's very satisfying like that's the biggest reward for for acting for me okay um, um okay we are i don't um, know how we got there but yeah. Yeah, back, back to regular programming <laughs> one last thing before you go off is um we want to talk about the vulnerability vulnerability uh, about being an artist. Mm-hmm. For me, is I, I don't know about you because you always look so cheerful and very talkative. Uh, your style is like that. Um, but I don't know whether you feel lonely sometimes because for me, I, I do feel lonely <laughs> most of the time. Like I feel like sometimes I don't, I don't even know how to talk to people. I don't even know like what part of me I should share with my friends mm. or like which part uh, of me that I should just keep it hidden mm. for myself. Mm. There's no right answer. No right answer? There's no right answer. Like how much of yourself should you keep hidden? I'm just, there's no right answer, dude. Like it's up to you. And it depends on who you're speaking with. I think like in terms of vulnerability, like I… I um, For somebody who cries a lot on camera, like you can find so many videos of me they have been crying <laughs> on the internet. But I, I've never like gone invulnerable with the public on a personal level. I would not feel comfortable doing that. Um, getting vulnerable with anybody irrespective of who they are, regardless of their relationship to me, whether it's a professional one or a personal one, is something that I have always struggled with. Um, do I feel like lonely and stuff 
all the goddamn time, man. Like, I think like, especially like recently over the past couple of months, not the past couple of months, the past six months in my life personally, from the day that we are recording this podcast have been like some of the worst that I've ever experienced in my life on all aspects, not just professional, but also personal. So many things have happened behind the scenes that nobody knows about because I will not speak about it, Mm -hmm. um, that have really made me feel really upset and down. Um, And like some of the professional ones, like if you guys have seen like, dude, you know, like it's just been like hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, Can I talk about it? Sure. Is it going to make me feel better talking about it? I don't think so. And that's why I don't. Because I feel like, you know, in life, like there's always an up, there's always a down and you just kind of have to push through it. But what is your outlet? Like, how do you, do you just suppress it? Like, just... Um, I, I, I talk about it sometimes to the people that are like absolutely like the closest to me, of which there's like two, I mean, like that's pushing it, two people, that's it. Uh, I'll talk yeah. to my problems about. Yeah. Um, it depends on how important the problem is to me. Like the higher we go, it's like, it's like a pyramid of problems. Um, almost like the pyramid of like, um, like they, that you learn in business. Mm-hmm. Is it Maslow? Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember. So like the higher up the problem is, the lesser it is, but the more intense it is, right? Mm. So when you get to the top of Amelia's pyramid, those problems I talk to maybe one person about. Mm. Um, the second level of problems, slightly less problematic problems, but also still problems, I'll talk to like a wider range of friends about. And as you go low, the less the problem means to me, but also the more I'll speak about it. And so that's kind of like how I deal with it. But the very, very, very personal, very, very upsetting problems that I go through in my life, um, how do I deal with it? I actually, I've tried so many things, dude. I've tried journaling. I've tried like listening to music, waking up early, doing yoga. I'm so sorry. Like that would help a more (laughs) developed human being, but not me. I'm just sitting there doing the yoga. Like, is this supposed to help me? (laughs) I don't don't know, man. It looked cute on the gram when she did, but it's not doing much for me. I'll just sit there and I'll think about them. Mm. That's my only actual coping method. I just sit there and I look like a zombie and I'm probably a super unpleasant person to be around. That's why like, I'm like, guys, love y'all. Please give me like three days off and I'll talk to you in a bit. Mm. And I just sit there thinking about my problems and that's all I do for three days. And I just go and eat and I clean up and I organize. And whilst I'm organizing my house, I'm thinking about my problem. Normally by the end of like one, two days, I feel like I'm at, it's either I've accepted it mm. or I've figured out what I want to do about it. But does it still come back after? Like they still hit you like sometimes. No, because I feel like when you're going through something that's like a repetitive problem or like a huge issue in your life, Mm. there's literally only two outcomes for this. You accept it and then you shut up about it permanently and you let it go, Mm. right? Or you figure out what you're going to do about it and you execute immediately. Mm. Anything else is torturing yourself. Yeah. If you're going to sit there and you're going to keep thinking about this problem, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Should I just let it be? Should I just let it be? That whole process is really tiring. So it's either you decide like, this is what it is. This is the problem. I feel like I'm in a position where I cannot do anything about it. So I'm not going to do anything about it. Then never complain about it ever again. Because you've already made this decision. Yeah. I mean, the, the trick here is to try to force yourself to make a decision. Mm. Until so- you make the decision, you're in hell. The moral of the story is to just to accept the fact and because life has to go on. Life has to go not, on. You, still you don't have to accept it. You don't have to accept it. You can decide, I'm going to do something about it. I don't like this problem. I feel like I'm going to remove it from my life. Whether the person is a problem. For example, like this person's really hurting my feelings. Um, it's either I love them so much, right? As a friend or whatever, as their, their value in my life that I'm just going to accept that this is how they are mm-hmm. and I'm going to deal with it. Or I've decided I cannot take this anymore. 
you need to be not in my life anymore. Cut and you off. take the action step. Yeah. yeah. But if you're sitting there doing nothing about it, you're torturing yourself. So for me, like with the most personal of like difficult problems, that's the one decision that I force myself to make. It's either, am I going to do something about it or not? This is the same thing that that that's happening to me, that was happening to me before. Mm-hmm. Like um, I used to be um, always saying yes to people. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know how to say no. Mm-hmm. So when whenever my friends ask me to lepa or like help them out, I would say, yeah, 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 even though I'm busy as fuck. Mm. But I say, yeah, yeah, come over around this time. I'll help you out and stuff like yeah. that. But nowadays, I just, I, I took the initiative to start not to replying to people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like slowly to let them know that I'm actually not very keen yeah. to like come on board. Yeah, that's so nice of you, Alvin. I'm even worse now. I've just, I've entered my complete like death era mode. Like I swear to God, people text me. They'll be like, hey, babe, like what are you doing? Let's go get lunch. I'll be like, no, thank you. <laughs> like I won't even go so I'll literally be like no thanks sorry not really like I'm out of it this week I'll text you next week babe this is gonna be on TikTok yeah <laughs> no thank you no thank you <laughs> and I felt really bad about it and I felt really bad about it but here's the thing this is a great process of natural selection the more you do this if you realize those people don't stick around to wait for you they're actually not your friends mm-hmm. yeah if you actually are able to communicate like no thank you I'm super not in a good place right now I really want to see you it will be next week when I feel like I'm emotionally available you'll be shocked because the friends who are like you know what totally understand I'll be here for you when you need me next week those are the real friends. Mm-hmm. So this has been a great detoxifier of my life of, 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 of negative friends who I thought were my friends who I wanted to deliver on and then they were never going to be there for me when I needed it. Yes, that's, that's what I was yeah. facing as well. But I, I feel very contented and happy right now like because I have more time for the people that actually care about me. Exactly. So like I don't want to have a bunch of friends where I have to always give my time and they don't understand our working cultures. Yeah. We can't be there for every single gatherings and stuff like that and they start blaming us for not being there for them. Yeah and they're like you know like you're not such a good friend and all this stuff and it's like (sighs) and then when we do attend a gathering it's all about gossips and like just like very surface conversation Mm -hmm. which is like so tiring. Yeah. And um, yeah and and I'm I'm more happy and contented now so um, So maybe you need to start saying no thank you next time. (laughs) No thank you next time. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. (laughs) I probably pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> like, I'm not lie, but it's too bad. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the real world, man. Yeah. Like you should always uh, take care of your mental health and also your own inner feelings. And um, like what I'm mean gonna say earlier, we cannot always make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but put yourself first, and um, and always um, try to treat yourself better. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the end of this podcast. Already. Yes. You want to be on the next one? Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. (laughs) Okay, see you next on uh, Are You Okay?